0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we thought it was juicy yesterday. Great drama on yesterday's show, looking back at Nick Saban's words from Wednesday night naming names when it comes to Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders and John Ruiz the booster from Miami we thought that was a juicy way to start yesterday's show and I believe that it was but we had no idea that it was going to get even better over the course of Thursday everybody everybody just absolutely riveted by what has played out between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban over the course of the last 48 hours I've enjoyed some of the Pieces online. I think that uh, Bruce feldman had a piece at The Athletic. Uh, there was a piece at ESPN.com essentially asking coaches, How was it that you experienced all of this? And uh, pretty much everybody had kind of the same thing. Coaches, in this case, being the same as all of us, of the world just sort of stopped for a little bit yesterday to watch Jimbo Fisher just go in on Nick Saban. Nick Saban eventually apologized. And we'll get to all of this for you here in a moment but people were just kind of floored by very unusual behavior where coaches are usually very careful about what they say you know the coach that we obviously talk to most about here kirby smart in a normal press conference situation will go out of his way to keep from giving the media the quote it wants to run with and you know certainly smart kind of avoids press conferences if he if he, if he can yet jimbo fisher called one on his own yesterday said hey get in the press room I want to tell y'all something and he came in there with a response you you remember all of this is that on, on Wednesday night Nick Saban we played this audio for you yesterday so if you missed Thursday's edition of the program make sure you go check that out but Saban said that Texanium bought every player in its recruiting class and Jimbo Fisher was not happy about that so here's what we're going to do just to have some fun today and kind of lead into something involving Kirby on this at least slightly let me let you hear A little bit from Jimbo Fisher yesterday this is kind of like the beginning part of the press conference and I'm gonna break this I'm gonna play a good bit of audio here but I'm gonna also kind of break it up into some uh clips and here's a a few things I think you'll notice he does not hold back on Nick Saban you already know that but also listen to the cadence of his voice like Jimbo Fisher is like truly legitimately deeply angry about this this is like real raw human emotion this is this is kind of like different than it normally is where you know coaches put on a very professional face and act very buttoned up in front of cameras. This is Jimbo Fisher just being kind of real and kind of raw, and it was fascinating yesterday. Let me start with this from Jimbo.
1: First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. they're they're, they're all money we bought every player on this group we never bought anybody no rules were broken nothing was done wrong it was all in the the way we do things the ethics in which we do things and these families it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way the narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen it's ridiculous but when when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about go talk to coaches who coach for him you'll find out all the parody go dig into wherever he's been You can find out anything, and it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right, but we're we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job, the whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families.
0: There's so much there. First of all, you can just hear in his voice how mad he is. You can hear that that little bit of breath that's kind of getting out a little faster than he wants it to, I and mean, that heart's beating fast right there. He is mad at Saban, calls him despicable a bunch, and he says, go dig into where he's worked in the past if you want to find out about Nick Saban. Y'all, that's a threat. Now, I'm not talking about a threat of violence, that's not what I'm talking about, uh, although we'll get to that in a minute, uh, <laughs> but that's a threat. A guy who worked for Saban saying, "Hey, go dig into wherever he's worked, find out about all the parody in uh in in college football." Like that's that's remarkable from Jimbo Fisher there. Now, you know, for, you know, first of all, I I I think that Jimbo's probably right and truthful when he says that you know Nick Saban's just kind of sad that you know, he didn't have the number one class anymore, and that's why he's kind of you know throwing a tantrum about all this. and he's right about that. The thing that I think that Jimbo Fisher's very wrong about right there, though. Or, or at least I think he's putting on a facade and a front about is, is that Jimbo's anger is on behalf of the players they signed or those players' families. That's not what this is about. That This is about Jimbo Fisher and his own number one class and his own, in his mind, his belief, ascension as a top coach in college football and not getting the credit he thinks he deserves. We'll get more of that here actually coming up in just a moment but that's what this is about, and I think that it's probably smart for Jimbo to say, hey, I'm doing all this on behalf of my players, on behalf of my recruits, on behalf of my recruits' families. It may be somewhat smart for Jimbo to kind of put that up there as a facade, but most of us see right through this. This is about ego. This is about Jimbo versus Saban. This isn't about Jimbo stepping in to defend the players that Saban maligned. That may be what he's saying, and it may be smart that he's saying in that way, but deep down, this is about Jimbo saying, Hey, you take a shot at me, I'm going to take a shot back at you. And boy, did he take shots. In fact, he was just getting started. Let me let you hear more because it gets even better.
1: It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that – a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do, and, it, and it's personal to us, yes it is. It's personal to A&M, it's personal to our players, it's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy, I know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it for our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M, but I promise you this, there are no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is.
0: That is uncommon. That level of personal attack at Saban, that level of animosity built up apparently over the course of years. Now, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes when Jimbo Fisher basically you know, dances, whatever dance that he does related to what may or may not have happened when it comes to the NIL stuff. There is a level of which doesn't feel like everything's been quite, you know, you know, fully explained on the record about all that. But it also probably doesn't really matter all that much necessarily because of the, the new rules and the new era in which we live. So that part to me is sort of less interesting than the part where, I mean, he says he thinks he's God. will go dig into how God built his program. Like, that's real. That's raw. That is intense from Jimbo Fisher. And then, so like all of this is just like his opening statement. You know, narcissist, God, all the things that he's saying about, uh, you know, Nick Saban, you know, uh, pouting, you know, whining, baby, whatever it is that, that he said right there. So eventually, you try to get into some questions. Like, this is just his opening statement. And then the, you know, the, the uh, SID over the side says, all right we'll take some questions now and so even in the midst of those questions like jimbo won't even hardly let the reporter ask a question because he's just got his own agenda that he's just wanting to throw out there it was really fascinating here's a little bit more of, of jimbo fielding a question but basically just trampling right over the inquisitor here more of jimbo fisher
1: have you had any contact with nick since uh... no. oh he's called you just didn't take the call not going to we're done and uh he shows you who he is and then i just wanted to. he's the greatest ever huh and then i just wanted when you got back. all the advantages huh? it's
0: easy poor guy's just trying to ask his question poor guy just wants to get a, to get a question in and uh jimbo fisher oh, he thinks he's the greatest ever i ain't talking to him anymore we're done i think they may be done <laughs> Maybe the one thing that Jimbo Fisher definitely got right yesterday, whatever relationship he used to have with Nick Saban, I would think it's probably done right now. I think it's probably over here at this point in time. And then one more, and this was probably maybe the most memorable thing to come out of a what was about a twenty-minute or so uh, rant there yesterday about the idea of a lesson that he learned from his father that he don't thinks that he doesn't think that Nick Saban got taught the way that it should have been taught. Uh, you do not hear this very much from one SEC coach about another, but this may be the thing that fe- that folks uh, keep in their mind about all this for many years to come. One more time on Jimbo Fisher here.
1: If you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't call me a cheat. I don't cheat. And I don't lie. So I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him.
0: We had an SEC coach yesterday say of another sec coach and frankly not just any sec coach nick saban that somebody should have slapped him beside the upside the head essentially saying somebody should go will smith on him and uh to you know make him into a chris rock like that is unbelievable and it led to a response from nick saban and here's the thing is that like nick saban said what he said and i felt like on wednesday night the Saban stuff was a little unhinged. I don't think he came across the way that he wanted to. I think he wanted to fire up his boosters. I think he wanted to get them excited about NIL. I think he wanted to be real with them about the landscape that Alabama and Georgia and everybody else is trying to compete in right now. But it kind of turned into you know, if you want to say that Jimbo was way too emotional right there, I thought the stuff from Saban on Wednesday was way too emotional too. And if you hear Thursday's edition of our program, you can hear more of that audio in case you missed it. I thought this was a rare example of Nick Saban just kind of losing that stately demeanor that has defined him as a head coach. I thought he sort of slipped out of bounds with some of the stuff that he did on Wednesday was conduct unbecoming of someone who's supposed to be the goat the greatest of all time I thought that Nick Saban was was less than that in the way in which he did come across as a whiner on Wednesday night Jimbo Fisher's not wrong for that and if you want more proof of the fact that in this little you know back and forth this you know uh, sparring session between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban if you want the proof here that that Nick Saban's the loser in the Jimbo versus Saban public battle that's gone on here, Saban lost because yesterday afternoon, Saban had to bend the knee. He goes on the radio and he shuffles his feet up there and he apologized. Sign of weakness from Nick Saban on uh, Sirius XM radio yesterday. This is the Nick Saban apology.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I should have never really singled anybody out. You know, that was a mistake and I really apologize for that. Part of it. But I'm not against name, image, and likeness. I think it's a great thing for players. Um, you know, our players made a lot of money last year in name, image, and likeness. But, you know, I told our players to, you know, get an agent, get representation, you know, make what you can make. Players have always been able to work, and I think that's a good thing.
0: We don't talk about politics on this show, but I do like politics. I'm interested in it as, as a topic. And there's a phrase in politics where, it goes like this, that if you're explaining, you're not winning. And Nick Saban, and that answer right there is explaining. He's having to explain his thoughts on NIL. He's having to explain his philosophy on NIL. And the fact that Nick Saban has to go on the radio and explain his feelings about NIL means that he's not winning. You know, messages that win are clear messages. And the Nick Saban message from Wednesday was, I don't like this current NIL era. A lot of folks were left to wonder, is he just going to take his ball and go home? Um, And that need to re-explain himself gives you an idea that, wow, Saban doesn't think he's winning right now on this public sparring session. I believe he's probably right on that, even more so. How many times in your entire life have you seen someone as powerful, as rich, as well-connected as Nick Saban have to give that kind of apology. Powerful people do not like apologies. Um, it's one of the things that you get taught in like corporate, you know, training type things. Is that you know find a way to do something other than apologize. Find a way to 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 mold your language so that it's not an apology. It is just sort of believed that for people in power, apologies are a sign of weakness. In this particular case, Nick Saban does come across as I would say just a little bit weaker for having to say. I should have never said that, should never done that, and I apologize. He bent the knee yesterday in relationship to this particular battle with Jimbo Fisher. Now, maybe not everything involving uh, Jimbo has come across making him look great, but in this sort of public spar, public war of words between the two, I'd say Jimbo kind of comes across here as the winner, which is somewhat interesting. Now, here's what we can also say as well, is that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has now come out and basically kind of thrown the it's, – it's, somebody eventually called the cops here Uh, sankey comes in gives reprimand to all parties and what that ultimately ends up meaning is is that when we have the uh, sec spring meetings coming up uh, around the memorial day time there in destin you know we're not going to get much more on this jimbo and saban or any other coach who might be asked about jimbo and saban presumably kirby smart as well all of a sudden if those questions come up everybody can easily say, oh, the commissioner's asked us not to talk about this. The commissioner wants us to keep this, you know, in-house or whatever it is they'll say. And this kind of, you know, the, the Sankey reprimand yesterday kind of allows all of this to kind of come to a close. But man, it was fun while it lasted. Now, let me give you kind of one more thing on this. It was interesting to see one of the writers for ESPN kind of bring Kirby Smart into a discussion that he's really not involved in really at all. And you know we're going to do this for a golden shoe later on, and I know Conor Riley was kind of noticing this there as well. It seemed like sort of everybody had the same joke yesterday of uh, Kirby Smart just sort of kick back and watch the fight going on between uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, and for the most part, those memes really are true. That this is not a you know what was the the line you may have heard growing up. That my name is Paul, and this is between y'all. And, and in this particular case, yesterday, Kirby Smart really is Paul, and Nick Saban and, and, and Jimbo Fisher, the two guys that had the fight going on, and Smart didn't really have much to do with that whatsoever. But Adam Rittenberg is a writer for ESPN, and he helped collect a bunch of uh, quotes that got used as a story for what other coaches and figures around college sports thought of the the battle between you know Saban and uh, and, and and Jimbo yesterday. And there was a quote that he got from a coach that actually mentioned Kirby by name, kind of bringing, at least attempting to bring Kirby into uh, a discussion that he otherwise wouldn't technically be a part of there at all. But I want to show it to you, not just because it's Kirby Smart's name that gets mentioned here, but I do believe it's a pretty good explanation for what really kind of all of this has been about. Let me show you this from Adam Rittenberg on Twitter. So he says, hey, there was one more quote that didn't make the story that I wrote that I thought was interesting. This is a Power Five coach, uh, basically quoted anonymously here, who says, that Jimbo Fisher wanted somebody to say Jimbo you did a good job and you won recruiting this year and this coach says that's just beyond all those people Kirby and Nick so uh, he mentions Kirby Smart by uh, name here saying that you know for all these guys who are competing for the top class and you know Kirby Smart's been there before and won the national championship Nick Saban's been there longer than anybody has you know Jimbo Fisher just wanted to be patted on the back and welcomed into that club And this Power 5 coach says, Nick Saban's not going to do that. And he also says, Kirby Smart is not going to do that. And this Power 5 coach says, they're basically incapable of doing that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'd say generally, you know, that's kind of true of life a little bit, right? That the competitive fire burns so brightly that maybe there is a, a lack of desire on the part of Kirby or on the part of Nick Saban. To want to give credit to jimbo fisher and maybe some of this nil stuff is it's easier for nick saban to say oh you just bought your whole class as a way of making himself feel better about maybe not quite being on the mountain the way that he was because all of a sudden one of his former assistant coaches, is the reigning national champion another one of his former assistant coaches has the number one recruiting class nick saban at 70 years old starts to think wow is it starting to pass me by is it starting to slip away from me it's just only natural human nature to kind of wonder that right and I'm sure if Jimbo Fisher wanted to be really honest to say, okay, so let's say we did use NIL to put all this together. I still put that structure in place. I still helped organize all this. I still helped galvanize my boosters. Jimbo might say back to but clearly you can't galvanize yours in the same way. That's why you're whining in front of them in a you know rubber chicken type dinner on a Wednesday night. You know Jimbo may, if you were truly being honest, may say, even if we did lean on NIL for this class, I still did it. And this Power 5 coach says Nick Saban won't give him credit for that. He even says Kirby Smart won't give him credit for that either. And I'm sure Kirby Smart probably felt some of that way too as he was working his way up from rookie head coach to eventually overtaking Nick Saban, winning the national championship here this year. Now, when it was finally all said and done, Nick Saban did give Kirby Smart some credit. We predicted that he would. But for a long time, maybe Kirby Smart was like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you notice what I'm doing here? Why don't you, why don't you uh, acknowledge the fact that I am very quickly building something that rivals what you have there at Alabama? Maybe Nick Saban really was just kind of slow to do that. And maybe for these coaches underneath Nick Saban, there is that battle between them to be the one that's most likely to eventually be Nick Saban. Maybe that's what's really going on here. It is fascinating how much the the behavior of these very rich, very famous, very well-known, very powerful coaches – Is not all that different than anybody else in the other walk of life either. Like, Like, ego is a very, very big thing. And for Jimbo and Nick Saban, we saw plenty of that on display. And at least one anonymous coach says maybe Kirby Smart was kind of right in the middle of all of that there as well. Fascinating stuff for one of the most amazing off seasons, even so far, that I think any of us have ever encountered. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us today. No matter how you get here, on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens and Sports Radio 960, The RAF We're available as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Google Player for the Android folks, worldfamousdognation.com, lots of ways free to check out our program we're really really glad you do that no matter which of those platforms you choose to use and a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible here there as well and what an exciting new membership opportunity the folks at Kroger have for you and one of the things it includes is something that we probably all need maybe right now more than we've ever needed it before maybe more than we ever thought we would need it I'm talking about savings at the pump, right? When you're filling up your vehicle right now, you feel that crunch. That is a tough, tough situation right now. Well, when you join the brand new membership uh, situation there at Kroger, you're going to get a chance to save money at the pump. I'm talking about Kroger Boost. It's a great new membership opportunity from Kroger and it includes several really cool features and benefits. First of all, you have a chance to get free grocery delivery, which is incredibly convenient. But also, you want to save money at the pump? Well, when you join Kroger Boost, you also get double the fuel points saved. You're already using Kroger and shopping there anyway, and many of you are also using that Kroger shopping experience to give you those extra fuel points for when you fill up your uh, vehicle. Well, how about double the fuel points when you use Kroger Boost? And there's all kinds of other cool things there as well. So go to this website. It's Kroger.com boost. That's Kroger.com boost, and find out about all the ways in which the Kroger Boost membership situation can certainly benefit you. It's You can enroll for as little as $59 a year. So it's a great opportunity. Hope you'll check that out today. Kroger.com slash boost. All right, we're going to get Jeff Sintel here coming up. We'll talk some recruiting with him. Big weekend of visitors going on for UGA. Do not want to lose sight of that, including five-star names on hands there as well. So we'll cover all of that with Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me very briefly go around the doghouse because I've gone a little long here off the top of the program. Let me just say this, total confession. So like one of the things I try to be is self-aware. In other words, I try to be mindful of my potential biases on certain things. And a lot of you know this. I've had some skepticism and some concern about the NIL era, the transfer portal era in which we're currently living. I I have some fear that this is not playing out as well with like average fans as sometimes we think. If you're watching, listening to a show like this, you're kind of not an average fan. You're pretty plugged in. You know, I always am, you know, kind of very interested to see just how closely a lot of the folks in our audience follow a lot of things that are going on with UGA and the SEC and college football, you know, for average fans, how does all this NIL stuff play with them? I, I have some concerns about that and, You know, I have had just some some fear that some of these changes related to NIL and transfer portal are not necessarily changes for the better. But all of that said, while that is my honest, authentic opinion, I also try to be aware of the fact that, hey, BA, maybe that's just you being resistant to change. Because we all are from time to time, right? I mean, I don't I don't mind telling you this, is that while I can't help but feel the way that I feel, that some of these changes sort of look like changes for the worse initially maybe all change looks like changes for the worse right away and so internally in my mind there's a little bit of wrestling match that goes on uh, about all of that and so i wanted to bring another clip onto the show here for a moment because i thought that chris fowler who was on the paul feinbaum show yesterday had a kind of an interesting line of thought going and and i thought paul asked a really good question to him and it's a good question to a good person to give an answer to this question so well i don't have time to play the whole thing for you because just it's just too long But what Paul Feinbaum basically asked Chris Fowler is, do you think the NIL, we'll call it hysteria right now, you know, in some cases it's created a level of chaos. Obviously, if you've got two coaches squaring off like Jimbo and Saban over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours, there's clearly some level of chaos going on here. So what Paul Feinbaum asked Chris Fowler yesterday was, do you think all of this is bad for fans and will it hurt college football's popularity? Fowler Uh, does play by play for essentially the biggest games each and every week so his opinion on this topic matters let me give you a taste of his answer this is Fowler from the Feinbaum show yesterday
2: that's a great question I don't know the answer but I was thinking about that a lot today because there will be a percentage who are totally disillusioned this is not the college football they remember watching as a kid Um, some of the things they loved about the sport maybe are eroding or have eroded very quickly and they might drift away Um, but I don't know how big a percentage that will be. Others might be excited by the fact there's this roster fluidity that teams can go from nowhere to the top through NIL, the portal.
0: So I've told you before, I I just believe the lack of stability that college football is currently dealing with does threaten its popularity. However, Fowler in that answer and in some additional thoughts that he expounded upon actually gave me some comfort because the point that Chris Fowler ends up making is he said, you know, look at Paul Feinbaum's show. Look at the way in which Alabama fans are kind of rallying around their guy, Nick Saban, and Tech AM and M fans are definitely rallying around their guy, Jimbo Fisher. And as we said a moment ago, Georgia fans are just kind of joking about the whole thing, proud of the fact that they are the reigning national champions. As crazy as NIL is, as crazy as Transfer Portal is, there is a way to watch what played out yesterday, and Chris Fowler brought this up on the Feinbaum show, where it ends up just kind of feeling like the way the SEC's always been. You know, it's It's Jimbo Fisher threatening to air dirty laundry on Nick Saban now, but it used to be Philip Fulmer getting served with a subpoena, right? I mean, it's like, it's the same kind of thing it's always been, just built around the current structure of today. And when it's all said and done, I guess I kind of take some comfort into that a little bit, that, hey, (laughs) you may have guys just transferring on a moment's notice. You may have, you know, rogue boosters buying uh, recruiting classes. But ultimately, this is still, you know, big ego coaches squaring off against each other. This is still rowdy fans wanting to prove that their school is the best, that this is still the SEC kind of the way that it's always been. So I know this is maybe kind of a weird take in all this, but there was a way in which that (laughs) I watched the argument over the course of the last couple of days between Jimbo and Saban, and I was left to conclude, maybe we are going to figure all of this out maybe when it's all said and done this isn't an unrecognizable version of college football it's just a slight alteration of the same thing we've always done which has developed great rivalries filled with incredible passion and maybe whatever it just means more has meant for the SEC maybe it's just going to mean more with all of this too that in the era of NIL or in the you know navigation of of how you handle the transfer portal that the SEC which has always kind of figured this stuff out a little quicker a little better than most leagues Maybe it's going to figure this out a little quicker, a little better than some of these other leagues here on this particular topic. There too, and maybe not every one of these programs and conferences and ideas—the way that college ball has been—is going to survive. But somehow the SEC is probably going to keep right on going. And 20 years from now, I don't know what we'll be arguing about, but. If history is our guide, we are going to be arguing about something and head coaches are going to be out there trying to prove they're the best, whatever the landscape looks like then. So I thought it was good stuff from the Chris Fowler interview on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, worth at least a couple of seconds of our time right here today there as well. So that's kind of the story on the Jimbo and Saban war of words. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. And we're going to get some of the thoughts now on that from Jeff Sintel there as well. Also this, there is a very big weekend on the horizon for UJ recruiting leading into a month of June that's going to get even bigger. I had a chance to talk last night to one of the guys who's going to be on hand for that coming up very soon there as well. So what do you say we cover a lot of ground when it comes to UJ recruiting as we do each and every Friday as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. As said before, a lot to get into when it comes to UGA recruiting. First of all, Jeff had a great piece with Arch Manning from earlier in the week. We'll go back and look at that before we're said and done. I want to talk about all these visitors who are on their way to UGA there as well. But, Jeff, let me get you on the hot topic before we get there. Jimbo Sabin, war of words. Jimbo kind of doubling down and – as he said, in defense of his players, Nick Saban forced to apologize. You don't see that very much. Forced to clarify. That's never a sign of strength. How do you think all of this is playing out with recruits right now? Uh, good morning, everybody.
2: Uh, you know, Brandon, I think families are taking a look at that. I think families are watching it. You know, first of all, man, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you, man, but I've been an FCC football fan for about 99% of my life. And I don't even know about these bylaws, man. Can you tell me, you really, do you think you, you know these bylaws exist? And is anybody, anybody going to make a T-shirt about reprimand for any of these guys?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, we're only allowed to have so much fun for so long before the hall monitor steps in and, uh, you know, gets us all back to class. I feel like this is kind of one of those moments right there for Greg Zanke.
2: Yeah, it, it is. And it's like, you know, I wonder where – on the career uh, arc for Nick Saban will come public reprimand for bylaw article 10.42.454 from, from, from one Greg, Sankey. And I mean, man, it's just a lot of stuff. You know, I thought, I thought, you know, I I thought, you know, I I think it's funny how Dion the guy who has everything to say doesn't really have to take, doesn't have have a chance to weigh in on the matter at all. Oh, um, that's a guy who has an opinion about everything. We never heard from Dion, and never heard his rebuttal or his chance to defend his program. But you know, Brandon, it's unchecked, and it's you know, I've, I've got a really you know some leaned-in friends and really some leaned-in friend groups that are just like, you know what, you know things are going to change when Nick Saban starts whining about it. That's what they've always they got really old-school values. They sit there and they go, they they say what they think, and they they look at the world, lay the land a little bit differently, and they're like, yep. That's how things are going to get changed. Wait until Nick Saban starts uh, moaning about something, and that's going to get changed.
0: Yeah, maybe that's the case. And you know, listen, people are kind of joking about the fact that you know, for now, Kirby gets to be uh, above the fray, and obviously he's the reigning national champion. And whatever the current landscape is, the the newness of it all doesn't seem to impact Georgia too negatively as of yet. But presumably, Smart's feelings and a lot of this kind of stuff are actually probably fairly similar to to Saban's. What do you think Kirby's probably thinking right now when he sees this playing out? Not just the battle between Jimbo and Nick, but also the thing they're fighting over. You know, if Kirby, you know, were a part of this, what would he be saying right now? Yeah, I think
2: he would just be talking about, you know, we saw that earlier in the week with the, you know, the comments that, you know, Kirby Smart made on some radio, I think, uh, local radio. I mean, it's just what it is, man. And it's it's something that, now listen, for a guy like Smart, who's, Program reputation b- is built around recruiting. Um, you know, for him not to be in the middle of the fray, I think it was kind of, or, or not having to be in the middle of the fray. But at the same time, here's one thing I get, Brandon. Um, Nick Saban, and even Jimbo Fisher, and even Deanna Sanders, these guys are all so well groomed and well used in about knowing how to use the media's glare, knowing how to use the spotlight. and things are on them, When they got a camera on him like it's almost like you know that was a calculated and necessary risk i think that coach saban took there in order to put his point across don't
0: you think no i don't i don't don't think that was i don't i don't believe he was playing as sometimes we say like three-dimensional chess i don't believe that was the case i think it was a rare show of emotion getting the best of saban i think i think that saban attempted to try to fire up his boosters but end up saying more than he probably intended to, and the fact that he had to apologize to me is proof of that. If Saban had an agenda, he wouldn't have had to issue an apology. But the fact is, he veered off of his agenda because I do think he's genuinely concerned about this. The apology to me is the proof that this is not some diabolical plan.
2: And you know, another good follow-up here, Brandon is tell me, tell me true or false. Did you even know the World Games in Birmingham were coming? Out of all this spotlights and all these spectacles where this stuff, these shots could be fired, maybe the Fort Sumner, this NIL debate, at least in terms of the tears of the SEC. Did anyone ever have their money on the fact that it was going to happen at a athletics uh, celebration signaling that 50 days from now the World Games will be in Birmingham? I feel like the World Games have got more publicity out of this one thing than they will have in their entire run of events when that event does take place
0: yeah listen I didn't even know the world games were a thing that's obviously what this uh, event was kind of centered around that Nate Oates and Nick Saban were were at it's a little bit like the world's fair for me I feel like we used to hear a lot about the world's fair like when it was in Knoxville they built that crazy looking tower thing I haven't heard about the world's fair in about 100 years Uh, I don't know what the world games are but if their definition of the world includes Birmingham Alabama maybe they need to expand their borders uh, just a little bit that's just a suggestion there on my part there on that so all of that is uh, obviously pretty wild. Let me shift uh, topics here, though, on our uh, on the road. This is about AAA here today. Obviously, a lot of folks want to hear some UGA recruiting stuff, and man, it's a it's it's a really interesting time to be talking about UGA recruiting. I had a chance to interview Caleb Downs last night on Peachtree TV. He's obviously got an official visit coming up to Georgia here to kick off the month of June. But you don't have to wait until June for some very big visits to take place. Jaden Wayne uh, has been on social media here as of late talking about being in Athens other big timers expect to be on hand there as well give us a little snapshot for what the visit situation is looking like for Georgia as you head towards kind of a period pre-July that's going to be filled with all kinds of big names on campus and more than a few Georgia fans hoping for some high profile commitments as well
2: yeah Brandon I think you know when you look at things um, you know, I don't know if you subdivide the SEC calendar this way, but there's the offseason, there's spring practice, there's season, and then there's talking season. And I, I, I think we just were in the midst of that talking season right now for SEC football with our earlier comments. But now for me, this is official visit season. And, Brandon, <clears throat> i got to get your thoughts on one thing real fast. And that was with the decision made about Marcus Washington Jr. last week, because he – He's essentially had this cooking up for a while now. Is that about the only time you're going to sit there and say, okay, that's the only way it's okay for Georgia to lose a recruit?
0: Uh, Sure. I mean, obviously reclassifying to the class of 2022 is uh, certainly an interesting thing. And what we've said about you know, that on this show plenty of times is I don't think that Georgia would be doing that. If they didn't think he had a chance to kind of contribute right away. I'm not always in favor of these reclassification situations in every specific situation. But in Washington's case, if Georgia's willing to let him do this, if Georgia, you know, thinks it's a good idea, they must think he's able to contribute.
2: Yeah, another thing I noticed, Brandon, <clears throat> excuse me, with this story is you remember how everybody used to worry about like, you know, or wonder's probably the better term there about like, you know, just exactly how many scholarships does a Georgia or any school have underneath the eighty five. Well, we saw this last week. I wanted to make sure we mentioned this on your show today was that um, this week it's pending coming down the tracks that that twenty five man, even with the back counting and all the crazy arithmetic and algebra that goes into it, and well that's gonna be done now and schools will be allowed to sign as many players as they want per cycle to to, to, to pay credence and to be in respect and be in alignment with that eighty five man scholarship limit. I think that was a pretty big story about how you'll be able to see pretty clearly, you know, how many scholarships a program really has underneath the umbrella with these new wiped out tiered numbers.
0: No, I think that's probably true. How about some of those names that we can expect to see beyond, you know, Wayne's some of the ones we mentioned a moment ago. Give us an idea of some of those guys that are about to be coming through for Georgia here.
2: Yeah, sure. It's huge weekend. It's a scavenger hunt weekend, Brandon. I don't know in your lexicon, if you look at it the same way I do, but usually the scavenger hunt weekend has been pretty good for Georgia and for pretty good, I mean, more than a lot of people getting a lot of selfies with Kirby Smart, more than, more than Akili Ringo and Trulie Hale getting, getting selfies or pictures with Sunshine. That's Brian Gantz, um, Pat Snake. But, you know, three of them stand out. I mean, that actually got me thinking about Marcus Washington Jr., because Marcus Washington took his official visit, um, last weekend and everybody thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting start to a 2023 recruiting cycle. And turns out he was just, gonna come in as a member of the twenty twenty two cycle. And now you got three guys, Jaden Wade, Brandon. I think I think Georgia's in that thing. I don't know if they're, you know, in the red zone yet with Jaden Wayne, but they're doing all they can. I think he's intrigued by the brotherhood of Georgia, the way Georgia guys kinda hang out. He was really impressed, he told me, because when he was at G Day for the spring game, and then when he was at Georgia for the Charleston Southern game, and now he's back here in Athens this weekend and that's three trips in about six months when you're 2,800 miles away. But he was really impressed by how the Georgia guys keep coming back. Like, he understood why all the guys showed up to get the ring because they were just a part of the 2021 team. What really got him were the guys like the, the J.R. Reeds and the Monty Rices, you know, those players and Brian Herrien, those players, Murray Caring, those players that were a part of Georgia like two or three years ago that were, were not getting a ring, but they wanted to come back and be a part of the brotherhood of Georgia football. Another name to talk about is you got Deshaun Womack. Now Deshawn Womack, very interesting guy, defensive lineman. Same program in same private school program in Baltimore, Maryland. That was where Jamon Ju Dumas Johnson came from. That's where Don Allen Morris set. I believe spent at least his freshman season in a high school as well. So you've got a guy coming in there for the defensive line. Georgia's defensive line recruiting should never be any better than it is right now then another really interesting name brandon you're gonna like this six foot six about 340 345 big defensive tackle sadir mitchell out of bergen catholic in new jersey yeah Uh, he's also coming in town on his official visit brandon and look at it defensive lineman defensive lineman and another and and another really quality uh player as well. I think Jaden Wayne can play the edge. He could be the jack in the 3-4, George's front. He can kind of play with his hand off the ground. I mean, there are three guys in the three first official visits are all on the defensive side of the ball. Sounds a lot like 2022, and that sounds a lot what Georgia has kind of built its program on.
0: I think that's right. We had a chance to talk to Caleb Downs as well last night. He's got a big official visit coming up in the month of June. Obviously, it sounds like Georgia's in quite a battle there with the likes of Notre Dame and Ohio State and Alabama, the – Programs you'd expect for a for a you know recruit of Downs caliber, you know obviously we talk a lot about Arch Manning. We'll do some of that more here, with you here in just a moment. But when it comes to other non-Arch Manning recruits, Downs who we had on TV last night, that's as big a name as we're going to be uh, discussing here. Maybe the biggest in-state possible get for Georgia here in this 2023 class, correct?
2: Correct. I mean, you know, very sharp son of a college coach. You know, for me, Brandon, I'll just say it. That's probably the reason why Downs has been the number one target for me for Georgia um, in the entire class for some time since we started coming out with our top targets list. Is Brandon, I really feel this. If, if Taylor Downs was a part of the 2022 signing cycle and he had, he had chosen Georgia, I think he's a type of player that could have been starting at safety. Uh, for a program like a Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State, what about week three. He's that talented. I was, I was answering a question about a week or so back and someone wanted me to say, now, now Jeff, how good is he? Is he really that good? Are we talking? And they started using like the benchmarks of Georgia recruiting for safety. They said, is he Richard LeCount good? Is he carrying Arnold good? Just how exactly, how good is he? Is he Lewis Steen good? And Brent, I got to say with great, Respect all those three names, um, all those three names. I think I think Downs is a notch above all of them. I wow. think he's that good. I think he's a plug and play player, and I'm I'm sure he was really impressive. He kind of felt like when you were talking to him on the air yesterday that I bet it felt to you like you were talking to a really dialed in, composed, sure. focused, and professional young man.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the comparison that gets thrown around a little bit too, in addition to the guys that came to Georgia. There's a little bit of a Kyle Hamilton feel to him there as well. That's a that's a safety that got away from UGA, ended up at Notre Dame. That's one of the schools that Downs is considering, but I think there's a little bit of a of a, you know, Kyle Hamilton type mold that that Caleb Downs seems to come out of and you know, that listen, uh NFL draft scouts really loved Hamilton a lot and obviously I know UGA and the recruiting trail liked Hamilton too. You can't win them all, but what Georgia couldn't do with Kyle Hamilton, I think they're going to try to do with Caleb Downs here, which is get that future leader as a yeah, big time safety in this program,
2: very much so, Brandon. And you know, you have, you know, Kirby Smart kind of mentioning uh, during spring practice what the DB situation looks like at Georgia, what the cornerback situation looks like at Georgia. Friends, let us not forget that their contributions were, were vast and great. But Georgia did not expect to go into the twenty twenty one national championship season expecting they was going to have have to depend so much on guys like guys like Latrevious Brini, William Poole III and Dan Jackson to play as many important key clutch reps as they did that's kind of how really razor thin that safety spot is for, for them right now
0: all right I don't, don't want to bounce around here too much but I gave my thoughts on Marcus Washington a moment ago the reclassification but I'm not quite so sure we heard yours on that what did you think of him moving up and now what does this mean for Georgia what does this mean for Washington
2: yeah, I hope, hopefully you saw this. If not, I'm doing a Brandon reader service and everybody reader service out there. But, you know, Georgia Georgia's 2023 class fell from number three to number six with the loss because Washington was the highest rated commitment in the class. And now you've got um, Georgia's 2022 class remaining at number three, but it gets a little bit more beef. It gets a higher per recruit average, class average with the addition of Washington. He was like the number 69 overall prospect, 68 overall prospect in the 2023 cycle. He moves to 93, I believe, in the 2022 cycle. And the word I got to use here, Brandon, is history, 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 history. Marcus Washington, Jr., you know, I love throwing this stat around because I want readers to sit there and understand how big 2022 was for DBs with Georgia. Brandon, from 2016 to 2021, that's, I believe, six recruiting classes that Kirby Smart was the architect and chief designer for. And in terms of top 100 defensive back recruits, Kirby got six. Kirby got six guys that were a defensive back recruit that was one of the nation's number one overall prospects and signed with Georgia. Now when you add Marcus Washington Jr. to the mix, that number for 2022 alone is five. And, folks, that class had all the pieces in terms of guys up front, the backers, the pass rushers, kind of – Kind of really has gobs and gobs of pass rushers, but now you add another defensive back for that third level. A, a team, even on that generational defense, Brandon, uh, that was a little lacking. There was there was a wink link of that defense, and guys wanted to get to that secondary. They just didn't have enough time. The front seven was that good, and what Kirby Smart is trying to build here, Brandon Marcus Washington Jr. is just a never another example about that. He's fast, he's physical, he's a legacy. He's really smart. But what they're what he's trying to do now is to build another 2021 20, type defense, but this time make sure that that weak link, no matter ever would associate that with Georgia's secondary.
0: It is on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff tell here today. And by the way, we talk about legendary roadside system It comes to AAA all the time. But also, if you're ready for an auto insurance quote, and I think you should be, AAA is going to offer you some great savings there as well. Check out the website, aaa.com slash auto That's aaa.com slash auto You can sign up, very easy to do. Uh, site's gonna just take you through the entire thing there. You can call also as well, 833-718-2075. That's eight three three seven one eight two zero seven five. 2075 And you can actually find a branch that's near you. You can show up and you can talk in person with someone if you'd like to do that there as well. But get a quote, get big savings, switch and save today when it comes to AAA and your auto insurance, AAA.com slash auto insurance for a lot more on that. Now, I get to put my legal disclaimer voice on here for a moment and tell you the coverage is subject to availability in all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, discounts, and savings opportunities subject to eligibility requirements, subject to underwriting requirements, insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliate insurance companies, copyright 2022, 20, uh, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved a chance to get a little uh, legalese voice in there for a moment on that Jeff let's finish with this great story from you going back to your time in New Orleans with Arch Manning got a chance to hear from him his dad Cooper and the entire kind of Manning clan all around him there ultimately after getting a chance to do that I, I thought certainly he had some very complimentary things to say about UGA but also some very cautious words about you know how long he's willing to go obviously mine not made up right now after speaking to, uh, you know, Arch's dad and after speaking to coaches around the uh, program there, what was your ultimate takeaway on all of that? I think
2: I think it um, it's funny, Brandon. You got me laughing. I, I wonder if I need to go into a recruit disclaimer voice and talk about, boy, you were prohibited. In certain situations, Arch Manning might prefer a brilliant offense compared to a great all-around defense. You know, you yada, go. yada, yada. There you go. But, you know, for, for me – I think the Georgia fan, the, the daily Dog Nation viewer, reader, listener, I think the word should be encouraged because when, one thing I learned chiefly was that uh, he's really about the right things. He's really about ball. I thought it was very interesting when his father told me, you know, Brandon, remember this was the recruitment class or the recruitment that they wanted to mirror a 1980s type of recruitment if they possibly could. And to get his answer, get his thoughts about how the family's going to view name, image, and likeness, I thought that was pretty big because they're going to make the decision based on old school values and not, you know, whatever the highest uh, option bidder is for an Arch Manning. I thought that was important. I thought the other thing that that I really came away with, with Brandon, is I remember those stories of watching Archie Manning, his grandfather, playing for the Saints. Those teams were so awful. I think those were the first – franchise in professional sports that I can remember bags showing up over the heads of their fans when the, the, the fans and the faithful tried to watch them play. Um, and then actually, actually I also learned that Archie even made the point once where he's like, the one thing about his college decision that he's looking for is he doesn't want to be lined up and then look across the team at the, on the other side of the ball and say, gosh, these guys have all the better players. That's a much better team than the one I'm on right now. I thought that was really key, and that's one of the things that I think speaks directly, perhaps, to Georgia's chances. Is you know he's man Brandon, he's been playing his high school years in a lot of cases. Um, you know, with, you know, with all due respect to Newman Brand, I don't think they have five players that are going on, that are going to go on to play any scholarship level of college football, much less major college football. Um, and for him to sit there and say one of the things, or to learn that one of the things is really crucial to Arch is he wants to be surrounded by a bunch of other capable, similar type players and talents. I think that speaks well for Georgia, There,
0: Jeff, really fascinating stuff. Thank you so much. I know you'll be all over these visits coming up for Georgia here over the course of the next couple of weekends there, too. So we'll look forward to reading all of that from you there at dognation.com. Hope you have a great weekend, and we will enjoy the chance to chat with you soon.
2: Brendan, I got a teaser voice here at the end. Um, Stay tuned to dognation.com over the next couple of days. We're going to tell a bunch of stories. One of those is what a guy like Caleb Downs and another other big time prospects actually think about NIL okay. as a potential building block or not for their recruitment. Um, something to pay attention to there. And then I'll be a little bit mysterious here, Brandon. We're going to write about a young man that um, that basically uh, has ran a ten point three in hundred meters wow. and also jumped long jump twenty five feet. It's not Anthony Evans the third, but that's another big time player that Georgia's looking at for the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver in the 2023 class.
0: Look forward to reading that, Jeff. Quite the uh, tease there. That certainly piques our interest. Uh, We'll enjoy that and talk to you next week right here on the road, assisted by AAA. Hey,
2: good times, Brandon. Until we do this again, man, take it
0: easy. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Fun to talk some recruiting with Jeff Sintel, and it's going to be quite a month or two coming up here on that front. By the way, great to be with some great recruits last night. As I mentioned, we had our Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame Spring Jamboree on Peachtree TV last night, and it was great to see on the field North Gwinnett, Northside out of Warner Robins, and obviously Archer Marietta in the second game there. That's a lot of big-time players on that field. K McDonald good-looking defensive lineman out of North Gwinnett. He's obviously going to be already highly sought after. Very athletic big man. Uh, That's going to be a fun name to discuss. Randall Godfrey's son, Grant Godfrey, was on the field last night there as well for the uh, Bulldogs. That was really cool. I think Ricardo Jones is already, in my mind, one of the top players in our state for the 2024 cycle out of Northside. That's a uh, big-time player. It was just really fun to see that. It's a reminder that we're not... That far away, you know, a couple of months from Corky Kale Classic and then back doing it again. Friday night's coming up here on Peachtree TV, and obviously the uh, college season shortly after that. So we'll enjoy a little bit of summer. We'll work on our tans. We'll get to the beach here and there every now and then, and then we'll be ready for some football. Last night, pretty good taste of that. And it was also really cool to debut the first nominees for the inaugural class of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. The the original class the first class will be announced to go in uh coming up later on this fall but we had a chance to nominate the first 32 folks for that from great collection of decades going all the way back to the you know basically the turn of the previous century and obviously modern times there as well we had herschel walker live on tv last night that was fun to talk to him about his high school days there johnson county and we had bill curry uh there as well hudson mason former georgia quarterback we had just a great collect and uh, obviously the Lasseter trojan we had a great collection of, of great former high school players in the state. That was a really fun thing to be able to do last night on Peachtree TV. More to come on the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame and Dog Nation's involvement in all of that. Let me also quickly remind you, speaking of vacations and working on your tan this summer, let's think about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation for all of that. My friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you get going for that. Whether you want to go to the three-night, four-night sailing for the Bahamas, it's one of those great weekend getaway type things that you can do. Uh, if you just say, hey, you know what? Um, I've been hearing BA talk about these Royal Caribbean cruises. I want to try one. Don't have a lot of time to get away. The three-night, four-night sailing, that may be the perfect thing for you to get a taste of all the great stuff that happens, including a visit to Perfect Day Coco K, while not having to make as big a time commitment there around all of that. So check out the cruise and Vacation Authority. That's our recommendation for how you can book your Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation. Find them online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770 952 8300. 770 952 8300. I will tell you though, if you're trying to go soon, hurry up and do it now because these things are getting booked up fast right now. It has really been fun to see the way in which. Everyone has kind of responded to the ships being back on the seas and everybody being on board these cruises. Obviously, the ship we were on back in April, Independence of the Seas, was so much fun. Your chance to take a cruise just like that yourself right now and visit NASA on the Bahamas or Perfect Day Coco Cay, do that today with our friends at Royal Caribbean Cruises. All right, there is a lot that has been going on kind of overshadowed by the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher feud. I want to make sure you're aware of some of this kind of stuff before we get ready to say goodbye to you here for the week first of all jordan addison the Bolitnikov award-winning wide receiver from pitt transferring out of the program has done as i think we pretty much around here always expected him to do he is heading to usc i believe that's what he was always doing i think that once they got accused of tampering all of a sudden there was a little bit of attempt to get the media to cooperate with the idea that maybe he'd go to texas or maybe he'd go to alabama or maybe he'd go wherever else I truly don't believe any of that was ever real i believe addison only entered the transfer portal because usc reached out to him now should you be able to do that or should you not is tampering a big deal different people have different thoughts on that but it seems fairly obvious that usc is tampered here with addison pried him away from the pit roster and i think it'll be fascinating to see how well he performs at usc there's an element of this to me that almost kind of reminds you of this is going back a ways but do you remember when, like, early 2000s, when, like, Kobe Bryant was kind of feuding with the Lakers a little bit, kind of frustrating with the situation? He was like, hey, let's just get Coach K to come here and be our coach. And ultimately that didn't happen. Coach K stayed at Duke. But it was almost like from Kobe Bryant's perspective, this was just somebody he'd seen on TV, thought he was a good coach, and maybe that'd be a good fit for them there in L.A. And you kind of wonder – like, how much due diligence was really done here on Jordan Addison? Was this just a guy they saw on TV playing with Kenny Pickett last year, and they think, oh, let's just go get him because we think we can? Like, is there any consideration whatsoever to how he's going to fit into the USC roster? You know, this is not fantasy football. Guys have to play well together. Now you think, well, it's Caleb Williams, you know, at quarterback. Addison here, at wide receiver. How could it not work? You know, sometimes things aren't always as easy to predict as that, and it's not, it's not just the Addison thing here where I'd say that. You know, look at some of the stuff going on with Texas A&M right now, where they either did or didn't buy the entire recruiting class this past year. Well, Listen, once again, when it comes to true success in college football, things oftentimes take a little longer than you think they're supposed to. And in terms of really tabbing who's going to be the breakout star and who isn't, sometimes we get it wrong. I mean, let's say that there was NIL in place around college football the last few years. in Georgia boosters could buy whatever recruit they want. Don't you think in retrospect, Georgia boosters would have probably bought some of the wrong recruits? Like, I don't know that boosters would have been falling all over themselves to go out and buy Jordan Davis. And yet, in retrospect, he would have been as valuable as anybody could have brought in. Same thing for a guy like Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, that's a guy that Georgia clearly wanted. But in the arms race of NIL, that's a guy that may have flown under the radar. And in other cases, guys that Georgia fans may have done whatever they could do to financially secure that player in that class. In some cases, they just would have bet on the wrong guy. And I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that also kind of impacts college football going forward there as well, because there's a little bit of a recent track record where if you're one of the top odds on favorites win the Heisman Trophy, those are the guys that seemingly never win it. There is just room for some surprise in college football. There is just kind of room for some guys to play better than we think they're going to other guys not play quite so well look at the guys that kind of cashed in on nil a year ago jt daniels is one of those guys but ultimately he didn't really play very much this season uh this past season now a lot of that may not have been his own fault he was kind of dealing with some injury and everything else but it just goes to show you that sometimes the guy you bet on big in nil turns out to maybe not be quite what you thought it was going to be same thing for dj ue ungalea clemson who got big money but ultimately didn't have a very good season Spencer Rattler had two cars at Oklahoma, famously, but he also lost his starting job. A lot of these big bets on NIL for this upcoming season are going to be worth tracking here because I don't know that they're all going to cash the way that the boosters think they're going to, and what happens then—that'll be worth uh, thinking about. A couple other things here, real quick: the NCAA has paved the way. In fact, they have now, uh, you know, rubber stamped this rule into place that for the next two years, the 25-man signing cap goes away. So as long as you stay under the eighty five total scholarships for your program, you can sign eighty five in one year if that's what you need to. This is a little bit of a remedy for the issue that programs have been dealing with with huge migration from the program through transfer portal and in some cases I guess pandemic related stuff too, a way of kind of getting some of that back. Uh you know, we'll have to watch and see what the immediate impact is for the programs themselves. But for teams who've wanted the chance to bring in extra players so they can fully fill out their roster this for the next two years gives them the chance to do that and then we'll see what happens for the uh, extended time after that but for the next two years there is no 25 man cap you can sign whatever you want to going on beyond that and then greg sankey who obviously kind of most recently has been the news for issuing the reprimand to uh, jimbo fisher and, and nick saban prior to that made a public appearance recently this week where he was asked about the recommendation from the you know competition folks about doing away with divisions. The Pac-12 has already said they're going to do that kind of right away. Uh, the SEC, at least publicly stating they're going to go a little slower on that, but obviously Sankey says they are considering making that move. For the most part, this to me just feels like something he feels like maybe he needs to say for right now. I don't think there's anyone who seriously believes the SEC won't eliminate divisions. In fact, going to a 16-team league, it may be fair to say they have to do that. Otherwise, you're basically only playing the teams from your division moving forward there. So, it appears that's the uh, direction the SEC is going to go. And I think most people seem to think that's maybe going to be a change for the better. So we will indeed see if that uh, plays out. But those are a couple of things that have been in the news here, overshadowed by the Jimbo saving stuff. So wanted to make you aware of that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal and I'll also tell you this finished long drink, great way to go into your weekend when it comes to all four of the finished long drink varieties whether it's the blue can that's traditional with the gin kick and the grapefruit flavor or you want the long drink cranberry the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume with the long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar whichever finished long drink variety you think is right for you I'd say give it a try or if you want to try all four you have the 8 can variety pack where you get two different cans of each of the four different finished long drink varieties it's actually a great story the finished long drink comes from Helsinki the summer games were there in the 1950s and now it's here in America it's been here for a couple of years and it's in Georgia now and pretty much wherever you are so go to the longdrink.com put in your zip code and you can find out beverage store golf course bar restaurant whatever else you can find out where to pick up some finish long drink today and i hope you will thelongdrink.com and by the way speaking of golf courses on monday we're looking forward to being at a golf course for the david pollock uh event the uh, pollock family foundation golf tournament taking place on monday uh we're going to be there for that expect to have a bunch of special guests on the show uh because of that we're also going to do our part to try to help raise some money for the uh, Pollock family foundation the work they're doing in partnership with children's health care of atlanta they're strong for life program there too so really excited about that if you're going to be at the tournament please come by and say hello to us we may even have a special guest a uh, special guest a special gift that we can give to you there so uh, we're looking forward to being there on monday and looking forward to presenting that as a part of dog nation daily presented by kroger on monday as well with that said let's get ready for our weekend so pretty much everybody kind of joking the same way when it comes to kirby smart on the jimbo and stuff i told you there was one anonymous coach who tried to pull kirby into this a bit but for the most part kirby just sits above the fray watching all this and that's pretty much what all the uh jokes online have been including a few of uh, you sending those to me our buddy mad dog showing the gal here sitting eating her popcorn watching two other ladies fight a&m in alabama there on that uh mike uh, says yeah the mood is uh, all ready to go out uh, there on that the popcorn's ready time to sit back and enjoy the show seemingly that's what a lot of georgia fans were doing there on that so we'll give mad dog a golden shoe for all of that another kind of thing the same way here kirby smart just watching more fighting going on that's what philip perkle said there too so that's all really funny stuff we'll give out golden shoes for all of that we'll also remind you lousy stinking gators they're not fighting anybody right now they're just having to sit back and watch for all the wrong reasons 4,880 days since they have won a national championship. And by the way, Gator Hater Countdown, 162 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville beating those lousy, stinking Gators again. That's fun to think about. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger, and we will see you again tomorrow. for Monday, if you will. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews Podcast Cool Down, Take your comments here on Twitter and at dognation.com. Of course, check out RS Andrews online f- at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. My, oh, my, we needs. some AC here this week. It's been hot. And if you're worried about yours, get it tuned back up to Factory Fresh Specs. It's just 99 bucks. You can find more there online at rsandrews.com. Read a couple of comments here uh, for a moment. Got some good thoughts about all this stuff that's been going on here. Uh, our buddy, uh, Sack, Sacktown checks in on Twitter to say that uh, Nick Saban's playing both sides of this NIL. He's kind of sitting on the fence about it. He says it's like sinning all week and go to church on Sunday, which is kind of a funny comparison. And I do think that um it is weird to me how like Saban kind of does, as you said, kind of kind of play both sides here. On the one hand, at one point in time he's bragging about his quarterback making a million dollars. Now he only wants all his guys to be paid the exact same thing across the board like it does just sort of feel like he just sort of says whatever he thinks benefits him there in the moment and honestly it's his prerogative it's his right to do that if he'd like to but if you want to put college sports in a better place somebody's going to have to think about more than just what's good for them someone's going to actually have to lead on behalf of the entire sport as I've mentioned to you before that's what happened in the summer of 2020 that allowed us to have a season when the natural gravitational pull was heading towards cancellation somebody stepped up and said no we can do this we need some similar leadership to step up here right now there as well Frankie Fibonacci writes in to say that someone said that Saban had to apologize because his best two speechwriters were injured which is uh, very funny and a play on the common Nick Saban excuse and I guess there's a way of saying that you know Nick Saban saying A&M bought its entire recruiting class this is just sort of the latest excuse from Nick Saban. is Is that what is that what this can be explained away as? Maybe that's the, maybe that's the case. Get a couple more here. Uh, a lot of good tweets kind of rolling in. Very funny stuff. People having a good time with this. It's it's amazing how hot of a topic that's been as of late. So a lot of uh, a lot of Georgia fans kind of weighing in all that right now. And my guess is you don't see too many more volatile comments from the Sabans and the Jimbos. That's going to kind of die down now. But judging who the ultimate winner is in all this or who the biggest loser is in all of this, that's going to take a little while to do. I was telling the video on it a moment ago. I think the A&M folks kind of feel like Jimbo came across looking okay yesterday. And I believe that's probably true. I think that Nick Saban for now sort of feels like he's been diminished by this. I mean, a, a figure of that might having to apologize, it's never a great look. Having to explain yourself, that means you weren't clear enough before, which also weakens you a bit does that does that remain true as you head towards the season or does the empire strike back here once the uh once the games begin we'll find that out coming up pretty soon but for now i hope you have a great weekend thanks for being here for our rs andrews podcast cool down and of course for dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll see you monday everybody